Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Adam, great to talk to you again on SEN. Yes. Uh, hello, mates. It's uh, Julian Destu. Great to chat to you again. Now, uh, before we get stuck into the cricket, I'm not interested to get your thoughts on this, given uh, you love the footy and you've done some great podcasts on the footy. The article in the Herald Sun today about, uh, I guess, the dynasty teams of the 21st century, your Hawks, the Cats, the Lions and the Tigers. If you had to pick one or bias aside, who do you think has been the greatest of those four four teams? That's a great question. Look, I think I'm always going to be pro-field when it comes to Hawthorne. I remember Bruce McAvaney's commentary uh, when we won in 2015 saying the first team of the 18-team in- era to go back to back to back. Yes. And I think that might be uh, what just edges them over the line as they have to do it uh, with 18 teams in the competition. But obviously all brilliant, uh, brilliant sides to watch. And I suppose it depends how far you want to stretch it back. If you want to go back to the 80s, the 88-89 team, especially 1988, um, that Hawthorne side, I think, is very, very tough to beat. I could have just said that down the line to you. <laughs> but we could argue about that forever, Adam. Uh, let's get on to the cricket. A couple of days later, have you still got your head around what happened in that morning session on day three? But Jules, no, is the short answer in some respects. No, it, it, the reality of the situation is that India, everything that could have gone wrong, every time they, they played at a ball, it seemed to kiss the outside edge. Uh, on a day when the Australian Quicks, Cummins and Hazelwood were perfect. Some days um, you run into a, a bowling group who do nothing wrong. And anyone that watched the way that Cummins and Hazelwood bowled um, firsthand, which we had the great fortune of doing from the commentary position, uh, would, would, would agree with the proposition that they couldn't have done anything better than what they did. And it, it reminded me to an extent of Trent Bridge in 2015 when Stuart Broad um, got hot on that first morning with all to play for at Nottingham in that fourth Ashes Test match. And it seemed like every single time an Australian player wafted the bat, it ended up with Joe Root at second slip. Well, it had a feel to that as well with Tim Payne uh, routinely having chances gifted his way. So I think in terms of the data um, we've seen from Crickbiz, the analytics company, um, that Australia's fast bowlers bowled one metre fuller than India's fast bowlers uh, during the Test match. And that's not to denigrate the, the Indian quicks who, you know, they did a pretty good job. Remember, they did bowl Australia out for 191 the first time around, but maybe that speaks to the fact that the Australian bowlers just read the conditions a little bit better as far as the pitch being quick enough to go a fraction fuller and to get themselves in the game more often. It's interesting you pointed out the Australian score there. I was going to ask you, um, obviously it was a great win for Australia. We're lauding our bowlers and and obviously Tim Payne's innings uh, was so important to that result. But did the win and the the performance of the bowlers still paper over some, some, maybe not large cracks, but some cracks in that Australian batting lineup? Yeah, well, look, I, I, perhaps it's not so much about papering over cracks as much as acknowledging that it wasn't a good performance in the first innings. And Tim Payne said that uh, in his post-game uh, comments uh, to Hutto, that, um, that if you're going to uh, be a consistently strong side, you need to make big first-inning scores. 
And we've heard that mantra for a long period of time from the Australian team. They want to perform better in the first innings of test matches. And sure, the mitigating factors here were that it was um, pink ball. A lot of the first innings was under lights. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think that um, the fact that those, you know, they, they were using a new opening combination and a makeshift one, let's be honest. I mean, Matthew Wade had never opened in first-class cricket until Saturday. He's 33 years of age. I mean, it's very unusual to have an opening batsman who's never done the job before. And even though he did really nicely in the second dig, in the first innings, it felt as though um, the role he, he and Burns were playing to take the shine off the ball, um, there wasn't a lot of purpose and uh, an attempt to score, if you like. And, uh, and I'm not necessarily being critical of that. They were trying to do a specific job, but maybe it just doesn't tally with the way that Matthew Wade bats naturally. Um, so he was out for eight, as was Joe Burns, which meant that they were starting from a relatively modest base and, occasionally Steve Smith won't come off and they bowled so well to him. To Coley's immense credit, the 4-5 field they set to Smith with five on the leg side. Can you imagine that? I mean, if you think about, um, you know, the best batsman in the world right now and having five out on the leg side, they employed the same field to Marnus Labuschagne, who was very lucky not to be caught in the leg side trap before dinner when he was dropped at long legs. So Coley came to Australia with very specific plans for Smith and Labuschagne and it came off when bowling to Smith in the first innings and, and nearly came off with Labuschagne if their fielders had supported the captain and the bowlers. So 191, in some respects, flattered Australia. Um, and Tim Payne, I mean, you made the point in your question there, an unbeaten 73. Uh, look, Tim Payne gets a, a lot of criticism for his batting over time, especially the fact that he hasn't made bulk uh, first-class hundreds indeed, hasn't made a test hundred. But his batting average is now higher than Brad Haddon's. Now, I'm not, again, that's not a... That's not trying to say that Tim Payne's a better player than Brad Haddon. It's just simply making the point that as far as consistency is concerned, Payne actually has been quite a useful and reliable and dependable contributor at number seven. He's not been a match winner with the bat like Adam Gilchrist, but he does play a role. And on days like Saturday, that's when you want Tim Payne walking in because invariably his most important contributions with the bat in test cricket have been when Australia's in trouble. Yep. So, yeah, sure, he, he may not cash in the way Gilchrist would in that marvellous Australian side of the late 90s and early 2000s. But th those were conditions that were really well suited for Tim Payne, a gritty innings and, and a crucial one. Obviously, there'll be a lot of focus on India's batting after only making 36, and we know they're going to make some changes. They have to make at least one to their batting lineup with Virat Kohli going home. But it's been mentioned a couple of times from callers and uh, I heard Gavin Robinson talking about it earlier today. But what was going on with India's fielding? I mean, how costly was that in the, in the wash-up of the match? That Some of the easy catches yeah. and just the general fielding from, from the team in general. Yeah, I suppose we started this conversation talking about footy and uh, on three occasions we saw drop catches with two feet off the ground as though they were trying to take a grab at the end of the lead, uh, which technically is curious. I mean, the drop from Privy Shaw, uh, you know, he would take that catch. You'd think a professional cricketer would take that catch 99 times out of 100. It was just one of those bizarre moments uh, in, in a really crazy session, uh, a skittish uh, uh, fielding performance at best. But yeah, I, I'll just balance out... Uh, in. I suppose we're conditioned to saying that India aren't a good fielding team. But under Kohli, they have been. Mm. I've watched a lot of India over the last three or four years while he's been captain uh, around the world. And their fielding has improved out of sight in the last four or five years, I suppose I would say. Um, but that's why it was so surprising and why it was so stark. We're not used to seeing them play that way at the moment under Kohli. He's got them well drilled. Certainly, you think back to the 2017 Border Gavaskar series. That was a series that was tight all the way through to the fourth test match and in a way it was defined by how well India fielded over there and that was also reflected in 2018-19 when they came over here. They were brilliant in the field, especially behind the wicket. So 
it was an outlier, but what a terrible time to have a stinking day in the field. If they knock over Australia for 120 or 130, which is probably what they should have done, uh, then, look, I mean, sure, yes, they're all out for 36, but the atmospherics, put it that way, would have been very different uh, on that third day. Two-part question. What, what do you expect India to do with their lineup ahead of the, ahead of the second test? And now that Coley's not here, such a great player, we know, but such an influential leader, uh, a fighter, uh, and, and the spirit that he brings into that team, are you confident India will bounce back, or do you have real concerns that uh, what happened in that first test is really going to knock them around? I'm concerned, uh, very concerned from a competitive balance perspective, because we've seen, and not just with India, but lots of touring sides, if they, if they get towed up in the first test, and look, usually that's at the Gabba, right? So we see teams come to the Gabba, copper hiding in the first test, and they struggle to regroup uh, with a quick turnaround for the second test match, which it will be, of course, with Boxing Day just four days away from now. So that is concerning. Brad Coley, I mean, it's hard to overstate how important he is to that team, not just as the, the best batsman they've got by you know the length of the straight, but also the fact that the team is very much in his image. Uh, Coley is the embodiment of Indian cricket at the moment, and that's a great thing for them. Uh, they're ferocious under him. Uh, Ajinka Rahane is going to be the captain. That's no critique of him. He captained the side fabulously at Durham Shala in 2017 in a, in a must-win test match against Australia to win the trophy on that occasion. But he's not Brad Coley um, as a batsman nor as a leader. So that is going to be a, a very big piece of the puzzle which they can't replace. Shubham Gill is a fine young player. Um, I'm glad he's making his test debut. It's going to be very exciting to see him coming to the 11. I expect they'll retain Shaw on the basis that you don't really want to make two changes to the top six after one failure. Uh, look, Shaw didn't look good in either innings. There's no there's no papering over that and the drop catch we've already reflected upon. But um, over time, he's been uh, a player they've been investing in and I'm, and I'm sure they'll stick with him at the top of the order for the short term. But then you've got Muhammad Chami. Um, we've had confirmed now that he'll be out of the test series with that knocking to the arm. So they've got other young bowlers who can come in, not least Muhammad Siraj, who they've been talking about for a long period of time. But... He's not Muhammad Shami. So the big loss, combined with Coley, combined with uh, a debutante coming in in Shubham Gill and Shami leaving the side for probably Muhammad Siraj, that is a lot of instability when you've only got, what is it, four days until the next test match, when they've just been towed up. I, I think that's, that's ominous. Yep, and it looks like Australia's going to go in with an unchanged team. Adam, great to catch up again. We look forward to hearing your work with the SEN commentary team uh, starting on Boxing Day. Thanks, Jules. Have a good day. And, of course, you can check out Adam's podcast, The Final Word, and hear all the action from the Boxing Day test right here on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.